0: welcome to the bill stokes podcast where we shine a light on things that matter my name is bill stokes and i'm your host and the publisher of springfield scene magazine in this podcast i talk with lisa clemens stott she's been the executive director of downtown springfield incorporated dsi for nearly six years we profiled lisa in the magazine a few years ago and recently she announced her departure from dsi and i thought it would be a good time to talk to her about downtown springfield and what her plans are going forward. Our top sponsor of this podcast is AGT Business Solutions. They sell and service home and small office phone systems that will take your business or home-based business to the next level of communication. Additionally, this podcast is made possible by the advertisers in Springfield Scene Magazine. To learn more about advertising, in the magazine, send an email to MediaKit one word, at ss-mag.com. Media kit at ss-mag.com. Now, on to the podcast. And the face of downtown Springfield for five years?
1: Um, I call it six, cause it's five years and seven months. So I, like a good marketer, I round up.
0: <laughs> there you go. <laughs> So they, you know, you had an impact downtown and um, I can't imagine there being too many people that can uh, have that kind of drive and follow in your wake. What do you think is gonna happen downtown?
1: Well, I really think that what we were primed for before the pandemic is what is going to happen. Um, You know, we've done a lot of work over the last six years to really try to attract that next generation to downtown and to take ownership of it. Um, you know, I think people my age and older who grew up around Springfield, um, maybe write it off in a different way because they just, the memories they had as children in downtown are never going to be the memories that their grandchildren have. And, and I think there's a lot of nostalgia around that, but um, there is a new generation, new generations who really see the potential, who see everything that we have. And, and they, you know, they've traveled a lot more maybe than previous generations, right? They've seen all these other great cities and they feel like, why shouldn't we have that here in Springfield? So we've talked about downtown for a long time. And I really think that the next phase is turning all of these plans into reality.
0: Hmm you know, there's a lot of money that has to be spent in order to get close to what you're imagining. Um, and uh, has anybody ever run the numbers on this to see what the cost per resident of Springfield, what it's gonna actually cost us to, to make downtown into that um, idyllic kind of place that uh, people feel safe walking around in?
1: That would be a really interesting number. And the answer is no, no one's ever put that together. You know, I really think that it's it's about a true public-private partnership. It's about the city using their resources to prioritize certain things. It's about the county prioritizing their resources for certain things. And and it's it's when you give, you know this, when you give property owners a confidence that, you know, Their area is going to be nice. Their areas are going to be maintained. You know, they're going to be taken care of. You know, that's what the job of government is, take care of its citizens in a maintenance way. Um, Then they investments. And, you know, one of the most interesting things I thought during the pandemic was how many properties that had been kind of languishing in a for sale um, status for a long time. Before the pandemic, property owners really were willing to make deals and um, new buyers were willing to buy. So we had, you know, 14, 15 properties that changed hands, longtime properties that had sat vacant. So um, you know, there if they're in there, and and then it's not like the vision happens overnight, but it, it's about a concerted effort to go in the same direction.
0: I agree. And I think residencies. Or residents in downtown Springfield might be the best option going forward in order to get um, uh, enough people downtown to make businesses want to be downtown.
1: Agreed, and and it's so funny. You know, Chris Nickel is one of the um, the best things to happen to downtown in the last twenty years. He has purchased with various partners different buildings and has started turning them into apartments. And he's really um, one of the best advocates for that because he's done it and he's done it successfully and he understands what it takes to create an income, develop income, creating apartment. Um, He understands the timeline of that income will be realized and, you know, how to make it look like people want it to look like. So when I, I invited him to many lunches over the last few years and where he would talk to other property owners. And for a lot of them, the light bulb really went on that, oh, I've never thought about it like that. And now I really see the value of it. So I think, I think Chris can be credited for really paving the way to how to create how to use that vacant space. It's just vacant. Not going to get anyone, anything sitting the way it is.
0: Yeah, I've seen some of those upper floors and uh, the amount of money that has to be spent to get it up to code uh, in order to have residents there has been the biggest hurdle. Um, I, I've heard numbers bantered around about $100,000 a floor and um, and that means to get a return on that kind of investment, you've got to have some high rents. and. Um,
1: or, or Bill, you have to have a long-term view. Like you have to understand that um, the the revenue is not gonna be instant. The revenue is going to take a few years. And, and that's why we really talk to people about, they really are more investment properties. It's, it's people who care about what Springfield is, who don't wanna see buildings, you know, falling in or falling down. And then, you know, it might not be, um, you know, turning a, a total profit for the owner, but it might be turning a profit for their children or their grandchildren. And and so you kinda you know, it's the good and the bad about Springfield. Our cost cost of living is amazing, but it's really hard without a concerted government involvement in subsidies to make the numbers work. And that's why The mayor got the the set, the TIF, the downtown TIF renewed for the unprecedented second time. You know, no one else around the state had gotten that at that point. Now, Chicago's TIFs are all coming due, so I'm sure they'll end up getting renewed again. But, um, you know, DSI really said, let's focus on the vacant buildings. Let's focus on the upper stories. That hasn't exactly happened.
0: Yeah, you're right. Um, What about the uh, Ameren building? Uh, Any hope that that? someone, the state will come in there and take over that spot, that space, and turn that, make that building alive again?
1: I think it's been obvious since the 80s that, and especially in the 90s and the 2000s, that the state just kept looking at Springfield as a whole as state government and really not the downtown center. So we've really been trying to have that conversation past few years, um, you know, first with Governor Rack and also then with Governor Pritzker's staff. And, you know, they obviously both have a, they care about downtown. You know, they show it, they've shown it in both of these administrations, the past administrations have shown it in different ways. Um, and, I, and I think that moving forward with the UIS Innovation District, other things that is potential for the state to to come back downtown. You know, there are, inherent issues with that for them. Um, You know, sometimes I hear it's because there's not a parking spot for each staff person. And sometimes I hear um, it's because the elevators aren't working right now. It's it's kind of hard to track down. It really needs to be a policy decision that the state would say, you know, legislators come down here, they wanna be proud of their state capital. They wanna be proud of their capital neighborhood. And and we kind of all have to row in the same direction. So it's it's kind of an ongoing conversation. But I we certainly haven't found the solution yet, and we haven't been promised. I mean, one of the things that killed me in the last two years was when the EPA announced it was going to go out to the mall. You know, I I had had my eye on the for a while, knowing that the 10th Street Rail was was going to kind of into that building. Yeah, that that one just kind of was a tough, a tough loss for the older neighborhoods.
0: There is a lot of potential and it's going to come down, I think, to um, the people who live here wanting to make sure that downtown uh, is not blighted. Um, and, um, and then when they, I think when the state sees the attention that local people give to downtown, they can jump on board and throw some dollars that, uh, towards keeping it that way. Um, we've gotten some, uh, I think that there's been some great progress being made, uh, downtown, despite the fact that there are so many businesses that can't thrive, can't survive downtown because there's just not enough foot traffic.
1: Yeah, the, I mean, it was so obvious, you know, you kind of mentioned earlier that residential is the future. I mean, we've that's what Estat said in, in 2012. But it, it was so obvious with, you know, workers not being downtown and tourists not being downtown um, that, of course, everyone lives in other neighborhoods. For the most part, we do have residents, but not enough. And and um, you need to have that really if you want to build that twenty four neighborhood, you need to have
0: both. What does the mayor uh, promise to do about the homeless situation downtown?
1: You know, that's one of the areas that is um, It's just he just has a different leadership style. I, I think it's so funny. Um, I know there are still people that think that, you know, knowledge is power and and you have to keep things close to the best, um, certainly in there is the reality of that right you're not going around talking about deals that are being worked out but when you're talking about this issue there are so many people who are impacted by it in addition to the people who are experiencing homeless themselves you've got this organization the heartland continuum of care who is made up of the most knowledgeable people you know working to get people off the streets and it's just I don't understand why we're not all brought together in a room and and then you know we're all giving our we're all given our assignments and we move it forward it always seems very scattered that there's a plan and then then a different something else gets thrown out there and um I I think there's a real reason why there's been you know a lack of direction in that area uh the issue with you know, ever since the Salvation Army moved locations and and promises were made and promises were broken and and then trying to to move that forward. I have a lot of faith in Heartland Continuum, a lot of faith in the new strategic plan that will be coming out um, thanks to the community foundation, the United uh, I had many conversations with John Strumster for over the years about different ways the community foundation could get involved in downtown. And when we talked about homelessness and he felt that there was a real push for that from his board. I was extremely excited. So, um, but the thing is we don't have to wait also for the 18 month plan. There's a lot of different things that can be done right now. And we need strong leadership to say, let's do them. Let's all row in the same direction. These are the five things we're going to do and let's do them. And I, I don't feel that type of um, camaraderie about the issue at all.
0: Was that frustrating for you as um- the director of DSI?
1: My, The way I approach things is always that I am not the smartest person in the room, that when you have a lot of brains in the room, that's the best way to get to a solution. And that's how I, I led DSI and people involved in, in getting more people to have ownership of the issues was always really exciting to me. And I, I just think that that is the way To move a city forward talking about silos is fine to talk about them but if you're not actively working to work across groups and partnerships you know you're creating a silo you know whether you whether you like it or not so i mean everybody's job is frustrating um i just i think that there's i i I just get so tired of all the potential we all see and and i want to see some focused movement on, you know, like the five things we need to do to move something forward.
0: Yeah, I think um, um, sometimes because of the bureaucracy and the silos that are there, it's often better to try to find solutions that don't involve them. (laughs) So,
1: When I mean, the city owns the streets, the city owns the sidewalks, the city has roles in maintenance. there was no way that we could, you know, we, we tried to get as much stuff done, and, you know, on our own as we could, but there's no doubt that a strong city partnership is beneficial to the, all of the older neighborhoods, you know, east side, downtown, um, all of us. The and, and honestly, even the west side neighborhoods are starting to find that, you know, they need fire, they need sewer. Um, we need to have some strong conversations about you know, how much a city of our size can for not really having a lot of growth opportunities on the economic development. Everybody is impacted by the city, whether you like it or not. And it's it's just a matter of um, the say, DSI, you are the most knowledgeable organization, what it takes to revitalize this neighborhood. And what can we do to help make that happen? Is, is that the philosophy? Or is it? You know, we know best, but then we we also have fifty million other things to do, and so um, you know we're not going to let you do necessarily what you need to do. Um, we're you know, and so things just kind of we I, you know I do I think we made a lot of progress, and I think we did have a lot of city support, um, but it's just a it's I think it's just a different type of you know leadership style and a vision that is encompassing everyone that is that is truly needed you need to bring people in and give them a Because a lot of the answers like you said are in individuals and in private citizens
0: yes and um and you're right about that uh, it when you have the city support amazing things can happen for you and um and i've been the beneficiary of that Uh, Many times in my life here in Springfield and and appreciate every administration that is that has supported me in that way. Um, The um, but there seems to be something right now about the homeless situation that is dragging the the progress through the mud. (laughs) It just seems to be slow. It doesn't seem to be um, uh, carefully thought out. Uh, But it's not solving any of the... Whatever is happening is not solving the problems that are there. I go downtown to Moxos um, once a week and and they're just sleeping on the streets there and um, on Adams Street. And it's uncomfortable to have to walk by a situation like that. Um, I'm not... Not that there's anything wrong with that. It's that it's just... It just seems unnatural. <laughs> it seems, it seems un, it, it's uncomfortable because um, you want to do something about it, but you know, you can't do anything on your own. It's, it's just beyond you.
1: Well, and that, I mean, that goes to, you know, people who are panhandling, some of them are not homeless. Um, but people want to do something. And so, you know, you when someone says, can I have a dollar, um, it, it's it's very difficult for someone to say, well, I gave money to Helping Hands. So, you know, so I, I'm not gonna give you anything right now. Like that's a, you know, that's a weird interaction, but that's really, you know, we as really need to support our agencies and especially our agencies who understand Housing is the answer, and housing quickly and and um, and definitely but it it is a very it is very difficult right now. homelessness is up all around the country coming out of the pandemic, but other cities our size have been able to Find solutions and and have a lower rate of homelessness than we do. I mean, the Heartland Continuum will tell you, you know, over the last 20 years, they have lost funding from the federal government because we are not, we have not been meeting the Housing First model that the government put forward, you know, years ago. And so I am heartened that we are now, are really, really smart people in the room moving things forward. But we, you know, I would love to say Heartland Continuum, tell us as a government what we need to do and let's get it done, because I truly think they have the answers. The other thing is that right now there's so much COVID money that we should be able to. I keep breaking up, don't I?
0: Yeah, I little bit. There's
1: so much COVID money right now. There's so much COVID money right now for issues like this from the state and federal government that it is a it is a time to really, you know, really invest in housing. So. Um, I think it's frustrating right now, but I do I do hope that in the next 12 months there will be um, a lot of forward movement. I, Helping Hands has gotten dozens of people off the streets and into homes over the last year. So we just really need to you know keep working on that and, and keep working together.
0: Well, I agree with you on that. I mean, it, it's one person at a time. You can't hurry them into a, a truck and haul them off somewhere and say, here's your new home. It's one person at a time. And um, and it uh, it would be helpful if that the agencies, the NGOs out there that uh, benefit from government money uh, could lay out the plan, lay out plans for uh, making things work. I mean, anything's better than nothing.
1: (laughs) Well, I think the Heartland Continuum does have plans and. You know, I actually serve on a public education committee and we, we always talk about how we can break through. It's so easy from like a television media perspective to do the story of this homeless person almost got stabbed and it's a lot harder to get those stories about the solutions out there. So we have those conversations a lot, but definitely I do believe the Heartland Continuum does have a plan. And then that broader strategic plan in the next year
0: What's the next step for Lisa?
1: I'm trying to figure that out. When COVID hit, I reached out to all of my economic development colleagues and I said, we should get together. We need to triage this. That's been one of the silver lining of COVID that we, we always talk before on issues and things like that, but we have a regular standing meeting where we, we all talk together. So out of that came our region's application for a state grant for small business navigator grants so i will be working with two other individuals as consultants to help small businesses get through the next six months there will be more funds coming out from the state um will be on hand to walk people through applications or you know my background is strategic and so i can really dive assessments for their marketing plans and things Um, so so i'm just kind of um, starting with that, and and seeing, you know, that's um, I you know I feel like I have a real passion to see small businesses succeed in Springfield, and and so that's a, a good thing for me to do next. But I don't know, I don't so I don't know if it'll be a full fledged uh, building up my company again. I I had a consulting firm before I came to DSI, or um, or what my my future is. I definitely want to stay involved. I I am very interested in the outcome. Block, you know, Levitt Amp Springfield was something that I wrote the grant for, and, and have really built this series up with lots of partners. Very proud of the partnerships. How we just keep adding more organizations and people because it really is supposed to be a community event. Um, whatever I do, um, you know, I, I'm very mission based, and and I I uh, I really changing the world. <laughs> I still do. I still believe that I want to help change the world. So um, yeah, whatever I do, it'll, it'll have those themes in it.
0: Well, you'll (laughs) change the world through your own eyes for sure. Because every time you focus on helping somebody, it's like, it brightens up uh, your purpose in life and doing stuff is, is, um, is what makes it makes us feel alive as a human being anyway. So you got to just be active, keep doing, uh, keep following what life presents to you and follow those paths. And uh, and it, it, sometimes they turn out in remarkable ways. So um, I doubt that you'll be attracting to yourself um, impossible things. <laughs> You're going to make some things happen. Um, I noticed in a write-up that we did on you a few years ago uh, Um, that you had uh, interest in in um, uh, political reporting.
1: Yes. (laughs) Yeah, I thought I thought I was going to be. I mean, and well, and I thought I like Royko too, either or Connie Chung or Jessica Savage. I read Jessica Savage biography back in the day. yeah, I came thinking that I got my broadcast journalism degree and I came to Springfield thinking I would do the legislative internship to get the underbelly of government, the political side, and then go be a reporter. Uh, but that, that that did not happen. Once you kind of work inside the government, you, there have, we've done it, but it's very hard as, as a reporter after that.
0: Oh, really? So, mm-hmm yeah the
1: um maybe I just didn't try hard enough to do that. Maybe there were just other interesting things I wanted to do
0: <laughs> well as uh, if you're trying to to hold uh government's feet to the fire um it's impossible to be politically correct all the time so uh you've got to be those nasty people in the audience that ask the uncomfortable questions and um that prevent you from being called on the next time <laughs> so <laughs>
1: I know. And I, you know, that that's another thing that's really saddening me right now is the state of our journalism. I just really worry, you know, NPR is getting cut by the university. A lot of the state journal register is USA Today articles. And, you know, we're down to one photographer at the SJR and we used to have five. So I have always been very passionate about a strong journalism core. It, there is an important i think it is important for you know for publications to increase the pride of our community too to point out all the great things yes um you know our young people are leaving and they're not coming back and there's a reason for that so um i i think that's really important too but yeah it is really it is really difficult to be that cassandra yelling out that that something's not right and and we need to fix
0: it well, people, they if they can get the facts, they can make up their own opinion. You don't have to be an opinion maker like mm-hmm. there are so many on the news today uh, that just go on and on and on about how you should feel about a certain set of facts, uh, and um, uh, and so I think the role of journalism needs to be shining a light on these are the facts. This is what happened, right? And. And you can draw your own conclusion, but today they, they feel compelled to tell you the facts and then tell you how you're supposed to feel about the facts. And I I
1: blame Ted Turner in the 24 hour news cycle, you (laughs) know, like they, they can't fill it. They don't have enough manpower to fill it with facts. So it's like, it's just, let someone go on and say some saucy things and, (laughs) and the rate, you know, people love it.
0: Well, uh, Turning a light up for a few minutes again, back on our political situation in this community. Uh, you know, we do have a, we, a couple of years out from the next election. Mm-hmm. Um, I think one uh, uh, is the, the mayoral election here. Is it in uh, February 2023? 23. I thought we were in the odd years on the, on the mayoral mm-hmm. election. Mm-hmm. So we have, uh, uh, an opportunity or Jim has an opportunity to kind of turn things around in the next couple of years. And so that when he comes up for reelection, because he can serve one more term, right? He can do three terms. Mm -hmm. Um, But um, uh, the conversation, the debates that should be occurring should start happening pretty sure, pretty soon, within 18 months of the election date, at least. Mm -hmm. What are the what are the debate questions?
1: debate questions. Well, I mean, you touched on one, homeless. Um, If not the Center for Health and Housing, then what? Um, You know.
0: And how much time did we have on that, by the way? How much time before it's too, so bad that it's going to be a nearly impossible thing to get on top of?
1: Yeah. I mean, I think the last two years have been really rough on some of the the big issues. Um, I, I don't progress as we we should have um, so so definitely that's one of them um, you know how how can the city um, spawn this innovation work that needs to be it's been about two years since the university um, said that they had funds to open an innovation district downtown, so um, that's been going along um, yeah I just i um, I think style has got to be a question. Um, I think, you know, has the fact that we have not embraced a city planner yet, has that helped us or hurt us? Um, I think the fact that we have a lot of openings in development as staff coming out of the pandemic, has that helped us or hurt us? Um, you know, I, I think that, I, it, you know, being a really tough position. Um, this, you know, Mayor Langfelder is very popular, but it's it's really, you have a set period of time to kind of put your stamp and make your mark. And, um, you know, I, I think that people will say, well, in the last eight years, what what has happened? Is it, um, is, does this deserve an entire generation being with this administration and, you know, for that reason, it's really tough for anybody to win a third term. It's, it's tough.
0: Yeah, I, I think so. And, and if we could just get a politician in positions of authority, like the mayor's office, they can begin with the end in mind. You know, where do I want things to be at the end of my term, instead of trying to figure it out along the way? And I I think to some degree, uh, Jim has not done a good job in that respect. Um, He's a very likable person. Everybody loves him when they get to, when they meet him. Uh, But when it, when you look at what's happening to the city under his administration, there's some work to do.
1: It's really about setting a vision and then getting everyone involved in making that happen. It's, it's really, um, you know, what I think DSI has really demonstrated what we want downtown to be and then moving everything forward. You know, we've had um, two or three strategic plans in the last five years because you like to refresh them every three years. And we definitely had a different type of strategic plan coming out of the pandemic, but it's something that is vetted by many people. It's brought many people's um, point of of view is brought to the table. I mean, we, Constituents downtown, right? We have property owners, we have business owners, we have residents, we have workers, we have tourists. There, you know, there's just a million different constituents. It's very much a microcosm of the of the city, and so you really need to say this is what we want to be after bringing all these people to the table to find out what they want and need, and then setting that implementation phase for how to get there. I think. I think vision and implementation both are, you know, the same coin, two sides of the same coin, and they're both extremely important. And there is a, a fly by the seat of your pants type of nature that it, it feels like right now. And and then when people do come to the table with vision and plans, um, they're not as they're not embraced as quickly as they probably should be.
0: What? Um, uh- when you were mentioning that that uh uh that group of people that have uh influence in downtown, you didn't mention the state government I mean the secretary of state is it, aren't they responsible for the Capitol complex and um and probably yes. a, few, a few of the buildings around downtown that the, and that- the
1: architect of the capitol too they finally filled that position um and so the architect of the capitol is also in charge of that master plan of the Capitol complex to third street and that's why you're starting to see of changes happening in the capital complex
0: okay and how is the rail uh high-speed rail going to tie into the capital complex Do they have plans for that
1: so i the mayor pointed me to the community advisory board to the capital complex and we had our first thing about two months ago i i've been i've been uh on that group for almost six years and this was the first time we've met because of we didn't have an architect at the capitol for a while um and and, and we and I definitely brought that up. Um, you know, even when you're going down the Third Street rail and you're looking at some of the government buildings, they were not made to face the Third Street rail. And so if it's supposed to be some type of pathway, some beautiful type of pathway that people are going to use to get from Aristocracy Hill to downtown to the Medical District, um, there are things that will need to be changed about it. So, I you know, we've had conversations about Monroe Street and and how that really is the, going to be the main front door of the Capitol moving forward, and and how that might change some of the experience in a vehicle and also as a pedestrian, and then definitely have had conversations about what Third Street would be like. But again, all of the the government work to date has been to get the the consolidation done. So twenty five, the consolidation is going is amazing, like a great. A great um example of how a city can work together to get something big done. But now the third everyone talks about what it's going to be, but there's really no plan. There's really no funding. There's really no consensus other than this, this bikeway. But if you think about the bikeway, you know this because you're you are athletic and there's really no way as it stands for there not to be cars every block crossing those, you know. Oh, Adams, you're you're crossing all of these streets. So are you going to stop your bike every single time? So we really have to have an actual conversation deeper about what it'll be. There's also tons of lines buried under the third street rail. So Mm -hmm. um, this is to to doing different things there. So, you know, we just it's 2021. That's going to be here before we know it. We need to start putting together real solutions for it. well and also there's no east west route through downtown that's a that's a designated bike lane right Right. um i I do feel like the we really need to focus um the the city's working with us on you know converting the one ways to two ways and the fact that they needed to change out the traffic signals anyway because they had aged out and so that's a great time to do that because you have to buy new hardware software anyway um bike lanes need to be a part of that equation. I I think that downtown can be road dieted a lot. I think there's no there's no reason based on the amount of we do have a lot of traffic on 5th and 6th street at two times of the day when people are coming into uh, downtown to work for the state and when they're leaving. But um you know there are city streets in Chicago that have way more traffic and they don't need three lanes to do that. So I think there's a lot of opportunity to, you know, add biking infrastructure in a really smart way downtown yeah. um, as, as all these things move around. But I agree. I mean, just adding bike lanes isn't, doesn't make a, a bicycle community. There needs to be a lot more, you know, work done, but, but knowing that you can go around and feel safe is an important part of, you know, at least starting to get into that lifestyle.
0: But bikes are uh, we're just not going to be a biking community. And and I think uh, the trails are the best way to focus. Focus on the the rails to trails is the best thing for this part of the country for getting people on bicycle seats.
1: So what did you think about the plan for bike share downtown then for tourists and things like that?
0: It's, it's not going to work.
1: You don't see it? No, I I mean, I I definitely don't. I I definitely expressed concern about the. I I could see families riding around willy nilly downtown, and just it it could be very dangerous uh, without some of the infrastructure. But
0: yeah, I mean, if we had streets that were uh, traffic uh, free, you know, uh, that had no cars on it, yeah, it would work. Right. But uh, it's just too dangerous. Uh, You know, cars are. too many distracted drivers, um, and um, is you know we have runners and bikers that are hit here every year yeah. by cars that are uh, drivers that are distracted. So we would just it create a little bit of a nightmare for downtown. It would look cool, but uh, young people would do it. But the anybody that's not accustomed to riding is not just going to rent a bike to ride around downtown. Well, um, I'm hoping we get to see you. Um, Doing your thing in the city going forward, and not hiding in a consulting room with people <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, but but what you forget is that that's what got me into stat and got me into downtown to begin with i um I really you know and you do this too, I really believe that um that every consultant should have a pro bono love. And so that's how I got started with downtown. I, Mm -hmm. I was asked to help with SDAT and, and then I just, I just saw so much uh, potential that I wanted to turn into reality. And um, you know, I, and the thing is, I just, I think the the younger generations are very impatient for the change that needs to come Mm -hmm. to our community. And so that makes me really excited and makes me want to keep working harder on some of the things I'm passionate about along those same lines. So.
0: Well, how about a for-profit thing? I mean, uh, what about the guys that are doing that, uh, that deal at Adams and, and uh, 4th Street?
1: Yeah, the Adams family partnerships and everything. I mean, uh, I've researched a pedal pub. um, (laughs) You know, years ago, you might maybe I should own a pedal pub business and a trolley. That would add quite nicely to uh, the downtown infrastructure, wouldn't it?
0: But downtown, I mean, as an entrepreneur, I go downtown. I see lots of business opportunities, Mm -hmm. but I see huge risks. I mean, that's
1: true. But, you know, there is the 30% TIF subsidy, you know, fingers crossed, that is still there for smaller projects like that. I'm really excited about this workshop that DSI and the Heritage Foundation are hosting on July 19th and 20th about upper story renovation, because a lot of it is about the financials and... Uh, you know, I'm really uh, from what I've been told, uh, Brian Hollenbach with Growth Corp was one of the masterminds behind the one of the most difficult financial uh, deals, the chamber building, the old church being made into your right, the, right. office and the, the apartments. That was a really complicated financial mix. So um, Brian and George Dinges was involved with that locally. You know, I mean, there were just some great brains at the table, you know, noodling that for a long time. So Brian is going to be part of that workshop. And I think he's going to offer some new options through his organization for some things. So, yeah, I mean, the bottom line is, yes. You know, is it easier to do things without government? Yes, but in a, in a downtown like ours, you just have to have those government subsidies. Otherwise, for a private investor like you, it's it's just it's not going to work out. And and so, you know, that's that's one of the other big things. Like we really just need to work together on that to make it happen. And there's so much skepticism when you go in front of city council about any deals. One of the things we've tried to do is really focus on the smaller buildings as DSI because. Um, you know, putting together the financial package on a larger building is a little bit outside of our purview. So in some ways, the city has, and the mayor has kind of taken that part on, he has a a background in banking and everything. And we've really focused on how to help people buy the smaller buildings and to renovate them and, and to make it work. So Um, i think we have a lot more knowledge about those you know fifty thousand dollar purchase buildings but yeah you do have to and to make it something that people want to live in and rentable and Mm -hmm. and yeah dealing with all of the the historic building issues it is it's it's a longer term it's a longer term investment for sure i mean my husband and i bought uh the building that so actually five years ago and it houses res- Reverie Apparel right now. And um, we, I'm kind of waiting for, I've been wanting to renovate the upper floors. We know the costs, they're very much in line with what you're talking about, um, but I'm kind of waiting for the lumber prices to go down again after mm-hmm. COVID um, to get started on it again. So it, it's a. It's definitely a longer term investment.
0: Well, with if you guys are willing to put in some sweat equity, I mean, you can bring those costs down considerably. I think we should have another conversation down the road after you've been away from DSI for a little bit longer and you're in the real world. (laughs) Am I still spouting
1: spouting too much of my DSI world?
0: (laughs) Well, it's all very refreshing, but it seems similar to the conversation we had two years ago. (laughs) So. It's like uh, it's evolved a little bit with um, the changes in the in the climate from the pandemic, mm-hmm. um, but we're still talking the same thing. And I and I suspect that five years from now we would be saying the same words that there's a lot of hope and and um, oh, and but that's what I'm so tired
1: of. I'm tired of talking about the potential. Like we yeah. we should be moved beyond the potential. Like we have plans, we know what needs to be done, and um, we just you know. Yeah. What is stopping our community from just doing it? Um, it, it, What was the
0: vision of the things that you brought to the table? Was that from you? Was that from the board of the DSI? You know, uh, was it a a mix of everybody's perspectives together?
1: Yeah, I think I think it was a mix of everyone's perspectives together. We definitely took, you know, I brought a knowledge of what was happening in other cities. I brought an expanded network, I think, uh, for downtown and, and just different. And, and also, you know, really looking at the economic vitality of downtown as opposed to only being an events organization. Um, and, and we weren't Mm. DSI was never just an events organization, but that was kind of the perception when I came. So, um, uh, spent, I spent a lot of time working and talking about the economic and, other yeah, real plans, like if if the city would fo- focus all the TIF on for profit um, building vacancy renovations, there would be more money in the TIF now because you know mm-hmm. for profit renovations ge- taxes generate more opportunities. So, I mean, I I get it. I it we made progress, but on some of the the we we just need stronger leadership.
0: Yeah, it's got to be followed up. Um, mm-hmm. There has to be a follow up. And 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 what you created for DSI while you were there, how much of that is going to survive your departure? I mean, you were a cheerleader for this economic development thing like mm-hmm. uh, nobody else had been before.
1: Well, so I got involved with DSI as a volunteer 10 years ago. And so I think it's really natural for me to move back into that role. Um and yeah, I look for I have some things I'm really passionate about still, the future of the Y Block, um, the you know, the education about uh the homeless issue and, and how to resolve that, and a few other things that really impact downtown a lot. So Um, I'm I'm excited to help Kayla with the transition and to always be supportive of the board and to be a volunteer, see me out there working the open streets event or different things like that. Um, It's, you don't just stop uh, being passionate about downtown just because you leave the the title.
0: Well, thank you so much for taking your time this uh, morning, Lisa. I I really loved getting caught up with you and look forward to seeing uh, what your contributions are in the future. Thanks so much, Phil. That was Lisa clements stott I learned a lot about the challenges of developing downtown Springfield and was encouraged to know that many agencies, including DSI, have plans in place to turn downtown into another thriving community. I hope that Lisa continues to push forward and work with DSI on the initiatives that she began during her tenure there. Thanks for tuning in. We intend to add new episodes monthly, so stay tuned for more wisdom and insight from our community leaders. Remember, subscriptions to Springfield Scene Magazine are only $15 a year. Go to ss-mag.com to subscribe online. You can also buy new issues at Barnes & Noble and the Corkscrew on Chatham Road. Until next time, this is your host, Bill Stokes.